0: sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Martha Sullivan. Once a systems consultant, Martha turned a brilliant act of rebellion into a career as a CPA, CFO, COO, value growth strategist, and family business succession consultant working with hundreds of clients over three plus decades. A consultant with the Family Business Consulting Group and president of Providence Hill Consulting, she has one purpose, help business owners build, buy, and sell their company so they can move on to their next adventure and achieve their financial goals. Thanks so much for coming back on the podcast, Martha.
1: Thank you, Diane. I'm excited to be here again today. It's, it's been a while since we talked and I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: I am too. I'm, I love it when I, when people want to come back. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And today we're, we're talking about family businesses, which, you know, is a whole thing in and of itself. Um, it and, is right. Oh, yeah. 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 So Let's talk some about how you think family businesses are are faring in today's business environment and and particularly um, as it relates to succession, if you would.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, in my work at the Family Business Consulting Group, we work with so many different family businesses and have seen, you know, the kind of ups and downs as everybody's been navigating them, and and particularly the last couple of years. Um, And I I think um, in today's environment and as it relates to succession, there is really heightened awareness around um, around succession. I think many of the, the now generation that are in, in the true ownership equity holding positions um, are, are at a phase and stage of life where they're likely thinking, okay, it's, it's time to pass the baton. Um, I think the pandemic heightened that. Um, and even potentially accelerated that for some um, owners. So we're seeing heightened awareness around it. And what's been um, encouraging is that um, with that awareness, families, both the um, owning generation and the next generation, um, I think are acknowledging the sense that maybe they weren't quite as ready for this transition as maybe they could have been or should have been because the pandemic burnt a lot of owners out. I'm seeing that across the board, whether it's family business or not family owned business. Um, The baby boomers who had a lot of energy still going into the pandemic kind of lost the wind in their sails and they don't have it in them to... Um, keep doing what they were doing so with that in hurried more hurried need to get out they're turning family businesses are turning more to folks like us and other resources for help in trying to figure out how how did how do you do this how do you navigate this because it's a it is a different dynamic in a family business when you're talking about ownership transition than it is in a otherwise privately held um, organization so a lot of activity going on also a lot of interest in tapping into resources to help navigate uncharted waters for families
0: yeah boy I, it so resonates with me all of what you are saying about how the impact that the past couple of years has had um so hopefully in in this space of you know family businesses, hopefully um i think it's heartening that they're reaching out for help right that they're saying Mm -hmm. okay we don't know how to navigate this but we need to um as opposed to suddenly being in a place where they're forced into it and, and haven't had that system right. put in place.
1: Right. Or or they recognize that they are in that situation where there isn't a system in place and um, they're trying to navigate the, the dynamics that can be fairly dicey yeah. um, in an unprepared situation. So. You know, a lot of folks aren't even aware that there is this family consulting niche out there of resources, um, and it's heartening to see that people are, are learning that there are resources out there. So it's an important message for um, business owners and, and next generation members just to become aware of that, that whether it's family business consulting group or other resources, there are resources out there.
0: Exactly. Right, because there's so much they don't know about how to do it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the generations. Are yeah. you seeing, I mean, th- there's always challenges. So what are the like the generational challenges that family-owned businesses are facing these days?
1: You know, back in the old days, <laughs> um, <laughs> um you know, I think there was always in in decades before there was just this assumption that the business would stay in the family and it would would transition generation to generation. And in fact, there was a study that I think Price Waterhouse does family business studies on a periodic basis, and they had done some that had was was tracking the preference of keeping it in the family versus um, keeping ownership but maybe it being managed by um, non-family management teams or selling it outright and a decade or two ago the predominance was keep it in the family period end of story and what they were able to track and they stopped tracking this particular data point which I find really disappointing but over like the a uh, decade period, they were tracking it and um, they ultimately saw that flip, that more and more family businesses were now strongly considering just outright selling um, to third parties as opposed to keeping the business in in the family. And I think that trend is still continuing um, for a variety of reasons between the generations. One um, has to do with The next generation has other interests, and um, they are more than happy to exercise their right to explore those other interests. They they don't want to take over mom and dad's business because they've watched mom and dad deal with it um, all those years, and they want a different life-work balance, so they're not willing to, to take that on. Conversely, there's always been the issue of whether the mom and dad generation have confidence in the kids um, to be able to do it, because usually those transactions are seller financed if if they're not gifted. And will mom and dad see their money if junior um, is unable to maintain the, you know, the profitability of the company in the long haul. So there are a lot of different forces at work that have business owners starting to think, well, maybe keeping it in the family isn't the best thing for the family. Um, And that's part of our work is talking about what is best for the family. And it may not be keeping the business. It might be better off to sell it and redeploy those assets into, um, you know, the next generation's other entrepreneurial interests or, or whatever. So I like exploring all the options. Um, but we are seeing those shifts in terms of keeping it versus
0: selling it. It, it feels to me like um, there's so much emotion attached to these decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? That absolutely. Um, it, it, I mean, that can be a real minefield uh, for a family. I mean, just to, you know, maintain the, the, all the, the family dynamic and relationships. So since it's, you know, pretty emotionally charged, are there like certain models that you favor in supporting family businesses as they go through this challenge? Because, you know, you just mentioned that, um, you know, really sitting down and evaluating is valuable mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what, what what's your sense there?
1: You know um, I really believe in in um, a, a model that looks at the family enterprise and breaks it into three distinct systems to start with. There's the family system, there's the ownership system, and then there's the management of the company system, and each one of them is is chock full of their own dynamics and rules and how do we treat one another and what is our goal and what is our purpose and what are our values and all that sort of of mix but how they're usually looked at is one big ball of yarn all wrapped up into one Mm -hmm. and with this three system model you you're able to at least pull them apart For a period of time and say well wait a second let's talk about what it means to be a family first what are the family values what are our um, codes of conduct as a family Um, what are our priorities what is our mission what is our vision as as a family and that seems kind of lofty, but when there's, there are assets such as business involved, they're very, very important conversations because that will ultimately lead to other conversations in the ownership um, system. Who gets to be an owner? Who doesn't get to be an owner? What do we expect of our owners? Do you have to be um, employed by the company to be an owner or not? How how do those systems work and and how do the values and vision of the family transfer into the ownership? And then ultimately, how does that transfer into how the the, um, business is managed and its values, its goals and so on? So they're integrated, um, but by pulling them apart and setting up these forms of governance in each one of the systems, it sets the stage to navigate the really yucky situations where um, it does get emotional. And you know, maybe I, I'm in business with a sibling and we're talking about a particular business challenge, and we're both employed by the business and we're both owner, owners. Um, and, my sister's pushing my button and I'm getting all fluffy. Well, am I getting fluffy because it's my sister pushing my button and she knows how to push my button? Or is it because I truly find and take issue with the business proposition that she is proposing? And which hat am I wearing? And the more training that we have as a family in in skill development that we have in in terms of, of me saying no marth you're just getting all fluffy because she's pushing your button and she knows what she's talking about and and because that's pushing your button you're reacting the way you are as as opposed to whatever the dynamic be when you take those three systems and you um kind of put them together like a Venn diagram where they overlap, it really does help you see, well, here's a person that's a member of the family. They're not an owner, but they're involved in the business. And how does it impact how they view the world and what role they should have in the overall enterprise? So it can be a very complicated model, but if you just start thinking about the fact that there's just these three systems and pull them apart for a while, and think about the different roles and different rules um, in each of them. I think it starts setting a framework to build other supporting systems around them.
0: I really like that idea, but as you were talking, I kept thinking about um, family businesses that, that I've known over the years where the ownership wasn't necessarily inclined to have, um, like collaborative conversations on that level. So, you, you know, like pulling in the rest of the family and saying, okay, let's what, you know, once, even once you've yeah. broken things up, but still to be able to say something other than, you know, it, it's my business. And while I'm running it, we're going to do things this way.
1: Yeah. My way highway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it it really um it can be a real challenge to especially as you go from um first generation entrepreneur to second generation i think that's very very true in terms of you know it it traditionally is the patriarch matriarch my way highway it's my business bust off kiddo it's it it is going to be what it's going to be. Um, but then there are those families that recognize, no, it, it is a little bit different. And I think it, it's interesting. There was years ago, I was meeting with a family owner. Um, and he was a My Way Highway kind of guy. And he was resisting thinking about this and, and doing anything along the plans of succession planning. And um, we had tried approaching him on it a couple of different times, but then it got, it what really was the trigger was when we started talking about it with he and his wife. And they were saying, well, um, we're hoping Jimmy will come back and take over the business. It's like, well, what if Jimmy doesn't want to, well, I guess we figure out something else. Well, what are you doing to make it attractive for Jimmy to want to? <laughs> You know, you just expect him to, and and these, this was a a business that was in a rural area of the country and Jimmy was living the the high life in one of the bigger cities. And so it's like, there there needs to be a compelling reason. And if you're inviting Jimmy back to a dumpster fire, where it's going to be my way highway, Jimmy may not want to come. And that, that really resonated with, with him in terms of, oh, okay. If, if, I, if, if legacy truly is important to me and providing a good opportunity for my kiddo is important to me, then I think you start to see the white knuckles kind of release a little bit and a willingness to talk about it. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's tough territory. And a lot of times you need frameworks to help you have those conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Because they, they're not really thinking it through. They're thinking they'll just keep running it, and then their kid will come home and jump right back into it. And it's and, challenging when that doesn't happen because they really haven't set it up
1: right. For that and and you know it, the the tragedy in that scenario is Jimmy wants to do right by
0: uh-huh.
1: the parents. So dollars to donuts, if an unforeseen circumstance happens to dad, Jimmy comes back because that's what a good son does and puts himself into a situation that he doesn't have a real learning curve. Yeah, he worked in the business when he was in high school and college, but that doesn't mean squat in terms of preparation for running the company. And, you know, it, it takes time. To do these intergenerational trans- transitions, not just in ownership, but really the transformation and, and transfer of knowledge and capabilities and skills. It's fascinating. And I just find this fascinating.
0: Yeah. Fascinating and challenging, Like, good for yeah. you for taking it up. <laughs> well, yeah, why not? So I know someone has to, right?
1: That's right. That's exactly
0: right. and, and and you enjoy it, and you're good at it, so I do what sort of resources do you think are out there um really to support not just the family but also the management team as they're really growing the business, you know, so let's go to that place where they're growing it, they're yeah, you know planning for succession what what should they be you know checking into
1: so um Ideally, now this is Shangri-La. Ideally, there is a strong relationship between those three systems, between the family, the ownership, and, and management. So that if it is a management team that is made up of non-family members, there's a, there's a communication path as to what the heck is you know my marching orders as the CEO, non-family CEO or president. What are my marching orders? That needs to be really clear. Um, and if it's not clear, Um, the CEO may want or president may want to try and enable some of those conversations. Um, You know, having a strategic plan that is not only um, aligned with what's going on in the industry and what the management team sees as the vision for the company, but connecting that to the family's goals and making sure that those are consistent. Um, And then the other purposes for um, succession planning is, really, it applies to any company in making sure that there is a strong management team, that, that the value drivers and factors in the business are strong so that, in theory, the business can thrive under any ownership. So that's really, in my mind, the marching orders for a management team is that, um, yes, ownership matters, but in terms of a profitable, thriving organization, Um, are, Are you able to continue the business, whether, you know, mom and dad own it or it's second generation or it's third generation, as you go through the different generations that communication link and the systems for governance become more and more and more important and resources that are out there. Um, you know, I know we often hold events. There's, um, you know, other organizations out there. Family Firm Institute, Family Business. Um, oh, am I installing the name of? But there are other organizations out there that are dedicated to supporting family businesses. In some communities, there are family business centers. Um, we have one here in the Madison, Wisconsin area that's affiliated with. Um, the University of Wisconsin, and I think Loyola has one, and Northwestern has one, and Kellogg. Um, There are other family business centers that family businesses, as well as non-family executives, can turn to to um, learn more about um, these dynamics and build skill sets that'll help them navigate some of the the management and governance conversations and, and the
0: the fun stuff. Excellent. Thank you. I, and it's amazing how many resources actually are out there. A lot of them are, you know, location specific. I know here in Cleveland, there, there are a couple of organizations that deal specifically, you know, yeah. with businesses. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.
1: Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you don't retire, graduate.
0: Um, let's talk some about retirement. Um, oh, yes, let's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not talking about exactly. mine. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I know,
1: I know.
0: Not mine. But, um, you know, uh, that's a big part of, from what I hear from people, that one of the biggest parts of owners being able to plan for leaving the business, you know, turning it over to either the next generation or, you know, somebody totally outside the business is what are they going to do after? Mm-hmm. So, you know, how should this current owning generation be approaching this subject?
1: Oh, that is a, a, that is the magic, magic question. I think whether you're in a family business or you're just the average bear looking at retirement. Um, But to your point, um, one of my colleagues in um, family business consulting group, Um, Stephanie de ponte she actually wrote an entire book around preparing for this next phase in terms of how do you prepare it. Um, it, It's called Transitioning from the Top, but the the Reader's Digest version of Transitioning from the Top is really encouraging um, the business owner, or I think really any of us that are facing retirement, to start thinking about what we want what would be of interest what really you know what are the passions we haven't had time to to pursue or what are the passions that we have within the business that we'd like to stay connected to and start thinking about that at least a year or two ahead of time and um you know so maybe um you know, for example, Alzheimer's, affects my family. And so I've gotten involved, I got involved in that board and activities related to that, well before my retirement age, so I would have a network built up. So if I wanted to continue in that vein, or there are other interests that I have, I've built the network to allow me to glide into it as opposed to cold turkey. Um, and really, looking at the setting myself up and and thinking about the possibilities that um, I have facing me as opposed to not thinking about it, kicking that can down the road. And all of a sudden I put down the champagne glass and I'm like, Oh, what the heck am I going to do now? Um, And and that leaves people looking in the rearview mirror. And that's, that's just a tiny little glass compared to the windshield. Um, and, and so, a lot of the conversation that Stephanie has, she actually interviewed a handful of brand name um, owner CEOs, and what were the steps they went through to set the stage so that they could slide into it without um, a whole lot of bumps and and bruises around along the way. I think for family ownership, there really is a great opportunity for the owning generation to move into other roles, even though they may not be owners anymore. There's so much um, advice and wisdom that they can provide within the construct of the family and the next generation that just because you're not an owner doesn't mean you cannot be involved in the family enterprise um, in some form or fashion. And that doesn't mean that you're even employed by the business. It just means you're contributing to what it means to be a member of the broader family. So there, there are opportunities out there. And I also think it comes down to a lot of attitude. You know are you gonna be one of those people that looks in the rearview mirror? Or are you gonna get up every day and see that there's there is plenty of things to do out there if you have the gumption to go do it?
0: Well, that that is for sure. And um, boy, you touched on something that I'm really curious about. Is it do you find that it is ever difficult? for an owner after they turn over ownership to be able to participate in a more um, hands-off sort of way where they're still contributing, but they're not decision-making, let's say.
1: There are, well, I think it gets, it becomes deeply personal um, and you know, it's the old adage, it depends, it depends on the person. And there are many owners that, or prior owners, that do continue in roles that are contributing to the business. Um, There are other, I mean, if you think about it in the context of the family business, and maybe they did sell it to a third party, so now they have this windfall of wealth. Many um, families elect to set up a family office, and they become their own little private equity firm, if you will, without the constraints of, you know, selling the business in X years, they may go invest in other businesses. And so that might be something that they can contribute to and be a part of. Um, Or if the business does stay in the family, I think, you know, I think it's okay that they're not a decision maker if they work on letting go. And, and they take steps to um, develop the relationship and the communication with the next generation so that it's a win-win, um, that you know, they're kept informed. They, don't, they're, they may still be consulted on certain things um, so that they are, they are able to stay connected in a way that's fruitful for both parties. Now, sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, but that again, comes back to that. It depends on the person and the mm-hmm. family and the situation. And sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it's just best, um, if they take their marbles and, and go do something else.
0: Right, right, right. So a lot. Yeah, it does depend. I, I get that. A lot of it has to do with personality type. and
1: Yeah. And dynamics yeah. and history and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there um, a particular point at which you think um, the ownership generation should bring the next generation into the conversation about transition and succession?
1: I don't I, I can't point to a specific point. you know by X, you should be should be doing this. I think again, it's very situational. Um, but a lot of times we will um, encourage, um, family involvement at a very young age. I mean, we, uh, with our clients will help them build and, um, hold family retreats where they're talking about, you know, those three systems that we talked about earlier and introducing, even at a young age, the fact that, yeah, we have this family business and this is what allows mom and dad to, 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 um, go do the work that we do. And, and grandpa and grandma do what they do. And it, it does a number of things. It, it helps them understand business at a level that is, is geared towards what their um, age bracket is. It helps them start to understand, understand uh, matters around money and wealth and responsibility around money and wealth and work. And so if, if um, you facilitate these events and you keep it fun, I mean, I've been in, in family retreats where there were five-year-olds in the room and 11-year-olds and 13-year-olds and 21-year-olds. And we were able to start the conversation and get them thinking about what it means to be in a family business. Um, And I think all told, we had all three generations represented in the room at the same time. And they got to learn from one another and hear from one another about what aspirations um, each other had. And it it normalizes it and it sets the stage so that eventually when that 21-year-old gets done with grad school and talks to grandpa about what opportunities there might be in the business... It's they're not going in there cold and they potentially understand that, yeah, to work in the family business, I need to have this level of education and I need to have this level of of work experience someplace else before I, I'll even be welcomed, because that's what our family believes.
0: Um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Do you think it's it's important for um you know, next generations to work in other companies before they work in the family or before they get involved in possible transition to ownership?
1: That is definitely my bias. Um, I've seen it work successfully in either direction, but that is my bias that um, next gens do go work someplace else for at least three years. And get the sense of of a different business environment experience, um, as opposed to stepping into the echo chamber. If they've only worked for the family business, um, it it doesn't give them a broad enough um, experience base to grow and develop. They also, um, if you go directly into the family business, you don't have the same credibility um as somebody who's gone and at least had some experience someplace else you're just the owner's kid and that builds um a different set of challenges into it than if you had gone and worked someplace else and weren't you know just the the kid that fell off the the um the carriage and into the business so i do that is my bias that they they go work for um another company or two before they come into the family business. But every, every family has their own biases and um, perspectives on whether they are a family first family business or a business first family business. And that's a continuum. You know, the, the family first um, family business would be you know, Martha, you have the right last name, so you are welcome. And if we don't have a job for you, we will find one for you, and you will be paid well. And it's it's the family is the priority, um, and and, uh, and, and serving the family is the priority as opposed to a business first business. Um, I I think of the royal family as the extreme um, business first family business because everything is about the business and the impression and um you know what's done right by our rules for the business of being the royal family um so in in and you can see that played out in their relationships that um the royal life trumps the needs the personal needs so it is a continuum. I don't know. I derailed. I'm sorry. I went off on tangent.
0: That is a great example. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, Now you mentioned, um, you know, becoming a family office. Will you explain a little bit more about really what that is and how that works?
1: Sure. So a family office is. um, So let me back up and and compare it to a private equity firm. Okay. Mm So the, the basic framework of a private equity firm is you and I get a bunch of our, our qualified friends to give us this pot, this pot of gold. And we set up a, a basic criteria of what type of companies we want to invest in or buy with this pot of gold. And so we might go buy one company, let's say it's a, uh, um, a cookie company, they make cookies. And we're gonna make that our portfolio, our, our platform company, and that's our, that's our main, main company. And then we might buy other food companies that support the cookie company. And we build up this portfolio of companies that we purchased or invested in with our pot of gold. Same thing is basically what a family office is doing. They um, have a portion of their wealth that they are dedicating to investing in other companies. And they might own 100% of them. They might own a majority position which would be over 51% so that they have control of it. Or it might be a smaller piece that they have ownership in, but it's an investment portfolio that they're they're managing. And they might be managing it so far as to be really deeply involved in the portfolio company's management, or they may just be a quiet investor and they're on the board and that's it. Um, but that's essentially they're they're like the same thing. The big difference between the two is when you and I set up our private equity um, company in our fund and we talked to all of our qualified investor friends, um, we made a promise to them that at a certain point in time, by a certain date by contract, we would um, deliver certain return back to them. It might be return of the money they gave us. It might be a number of different things in how they're structured, but that essentially forces us to buy the the cookie company and then sell it get our money out of it within a certain time frame usually five to seven years is kind of the rule of thumb that you hear well in a family office you can take a buy and hold strategy you don't have to sell it um, by contract to meet meet the happiness of um our investor friends it's the family's family office it's the family's portfolio and they're not time constrained in terms of how long they hold on to it or they don't hold on to it so does that make sense
0: it does and i so appreciate that explanation because i have heard it and i have not understood at all what it meant so
1: Yeah. And so what it means to a family that wants to get into this is there's a whole other set of governance um, rules and values and expectations that they have to come to in terms of, well, what does this mean for the family office? What are our family values and how are we going to live those out within this portfolio of companies? How does that translate into which companies we'll consider and which ones we won't? and why and you know it it just there's kind of a domino effect in terms of the governance issues that come up and need to be um talked through kind of up front or if you haven't talked through them up front um you know come to consensus so that you're all on the same page managing it
0: that's so interesting isn't it it's it it is fascinating Yeah. yeah yeah it absolutely is and, and so if there's a member of the family business um, who really wants to, you know, keep, keep, I guess uh, uh, their finger on the pulse of the company on um, themselves in relationship to the company and their path, are there things that they can do to, you know, things that you would suggest so that they could be starting that process or making sure that they're keeping those tabs?
1: Well, uh, yes, yeah. I think I think first, if if as a member of a family business, I think it starts with you, um, in terms of understanding what you, the family member, um, want, need, expect, um, to some degree. Um, different family members have different needs, different expectations. There are um, families where the you know there's like not a snowball's chance anywhere that I'm going to work with my my sibling and self-awareness around that is important so that those types of things really do start with the individual and understanding what your boundaries are what you want out of it how you align with the values and, and whatnot if based on that you want a role in the family enterprise and the family that's where you can can actually pull out that Venn diagram and think about well where are the opportunities you know I don't want to be an employee but can I help develop the next generation maybe my background is in training and development and I want to focus on the next generation of the family and maybe some of my my nieces and nephews will go into the family business and maybe I'll just be helping them develop into future entrepreneurs and that's okay. So it it, it really you know starts with starts with the person and then it, you go to those systems and understand what's going on in those systems. Are there paths for communication? Are there do we have a governance framework? Do we have a family council? How are decisions made? And then you start you know, peeling as you're peeling back that onion, starting to take steps to you meet where you're at and try to develop your plan from there. Um, it's it's there is no cookie cutter um, route because every family business starts from a different different position. But I, I personally think it starts with the individual, and then you think need to think about the family and kind of go in that sequence, family ownership management.
0: Really like that a lot. Thank you so much for that. I, I love that. I think people have to be tremendously honest with themselves, which actually leads me to another question. If there's a family member who isn't really in the business, has helped out periodically, <laughs> but but really you know, is not in the business and identifies that they really don't want to go into ownership of the business, but they're getting a lot of energy from the generation before them, that that's the goal and that's the desire. How, do you have any suggestions on how they can go about sharing that and making that clear that that's not the direction that they see themselves heading?
1: Um. I think a lot of it comes down to having open communication. Um, but then again, I certainly understand and appreciate the fact that, you know, the the next generation person is trying to navigate the relationship with um, their parents and parents' expectations and things of that nature. You know, it's possible to it is possible to be a member of the family and a member of the business, and not an owner. Um, And, you know, exploring and understanding why you don't want to be an owner, there's a lot of risk in being an owner. Um, So it may be a matter of saying, mom and dad, I don't want that risk. I'm not wired that way. I, it's just not me. And I, I, love, I love you and I love the business, but it's just not me. Maybe we need to explore other ways that we can remain involved as a family, um, but not necessarily um, be the owners. And one way, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more family businesses explore the option of ESOP um, as, as, you know, an employee stock ownership plan Um, as a potential exit um, opportunity and path, as opposed to third-party exit, because it keeps, you know, there's a stronger probability of the business stays in the community, and it empowers the employees. Um, Now, it's not for everybody. There are a lot of reasons um, why an ESOP potentially wouldn't apply to a family business situation, but I think, it's, I think the critical thing is going to the now generation and saying, let's explore all of our options and talk through it as a family. Um, and I, whether it's the, the next generation um, that genera- you know, initiates that conversation, or it's the now generation, the owning generation, saying, hey, kids. We're going to explore all of our options together and talk through what they mean and where are what, what are our options. You know, we have too much debt. ESOP isn't an option for us. Well, what about private equity? Private equity sounds scary, but it's actually can be a great opportunity for taking the business to the next level. They're not all Gordon Gecko like everybody (laughs) likes to make them out out to be. Um, You know, or maybe it is a strategic. There are lots of different options. And the important thing is, let's explore them. Don't let's not make any assumptions that we have to keep it in the family or we have to sell it. Let's understand it and make the decision. Um, Now, ultimately, that decision is going to be made by the owning members, um, because they they get the vote. Um, but by having at least a, a voice, yeah, it's important to have a voice even if you don't have a vote. Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll frame it in this, this way, um, Diane, very quickly a story on this. Um, there's a, a client that I've known for years and um, the patriarch uh, came from a family business himself. And he was working in his father's family business Um, and his father decided, um, you know, he talked to, talked to his sons and, um, what they wanted to do with the business and my client wanted to keep the business, but the father ultimately decided, nope, we're not keeping the business. And he, from my client's perspective, had his company sold out from under him. He went on to form his own business with his own um, next generation involved as owners and participants in the business. Um, Not all of them were active employees of the business, um, but they were all owners. And now that um, patriarch is essentially holding the next generation hostage. He will never sell the business. Um, because he doesn't want to do what his dad did to him, but yet the next generation is now in their late 50s and 60s, and their third generation has no real interest because of the family dynamics of getting involved in it. Well, you have to talk through this. You have to look through the alternatives, and if you start with what's best for the family, the alternatives will kind of play out and, and you can make better decisions.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that example. It, it really, it, it's a challenging situation for any family. And it's part of the reason I, that, you know, I believe, I know you believe to, to be able to bring in outside voices that can see it from an unemotional standpoint that, that can mm-hmm. carry on those conversations and help people really have discussions and, and, um, go through a process is so important to not just the future of the business, but the future of the family dynamic.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's why we, you know, at, at the family business consulting group, we, we start with that three, three system model and, and frame it, um, in, in those terms.
0: Yeah. No kidding. So important. It is. Boy, Martha, thank you so much for um, coming back on and, and having this conversation with me. I, it's, it's always timely, uh, but especially now after the past couple of years, I, I so appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. For, uh, you know, Diana, it's always a treat to, to talk with you. We've had good conversations in the past, and I look forward to, to many more in the future. This is Yay, always a, a wonderful time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime... Will you the tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you and
1: whatever Absolutely. they should know? Cool. Absolutely. So um, you can find me at the Family Business Consultant Group. Um, it would be the best place on this topic. And, and our website is www.thefbcg.com, um, and I'll also uh, if you go to our events page, we've got a number of of um, really cool events coming up, talking about how to get started in um, family governance, how to get well. There's there's a webinar coming up on family harmony. Um, so depending on when um, you know this this airs, we have lots of resources there, lots of articles. Um, and in other things as well as the events, so check it out. And um, you can also check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I'm there as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank list- you. Oh, absolutely. And listeners, thank you. You are who we are doing this for, and you know this is why I bring you people like Martha, who um, can really provide you with information that you are most likely wondering about, especially if you are in a family business or running a family business. So thank you all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.